Have you ever had one of those days when not one thing goes right? Anybody want to be real honest this morning? <laughs> not one thing. In fact, every single thing that you go to do goes absolutely wrong. You know, when you have one of those days, and I think we've all had some of those days, when you have a day like that, when you're just hammered with a continuous string of problems, you've got a choice. I've got a choice. There are two options that we have. When your heart is hammered, and because of those hammering situations, you just are tempted to be filled with worry, the thing is, you can choose to worship. You've got that choice. You've got those two options. You can worry or you can worship. Now, if you choose to worry, let me say this to you, you are not going to worship. If your heart has ever been consumed with worry, you know that in those moments, you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this? What am I going to do? There's no way for you to worship when you let your heart be filled with worry. But if you choose instead to truly worship in the midst of that battle that you're facing, if you choose to truly worship instead of worry, your worry by God will be washed away. If you don't remember anything else I say to that this morning, remember that. If you choose to worship instead of worry by God, your worry will be washed away. God will bless you in that way. And when you worship in the midst of your horrific problems, that is something that honors God like nothing else. Everything else around you is falling apart, but you choose to worship. That's like a beautiful, fragrant way to honor God. And that floats up to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, those are my kids. In the midst of the stuff they're dealing with, they're worshiping me, and that honors me. The Bible says this as we begin this morning. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. The Bible says when you're being hammered, you've got two, two options. You can worry or you can worship. Now, this coming week, I can guarantee you that you're going to have some more problems. Because Jesus told us, in this life, you will have trouble. And every week is filled with problems and trouble from all around us. We're going to have trouble. And when those troubles hit, you and I, we've got to decide if we're going to worry or if we're going to worship. But listen, the antidote for worry is truly worshiping God. And that worship honors God. Today we're starting this new series on honoring God. And most people think that the best way to honor God is to worship Him. But a lot of people think that when you talk about worship, the only way to worship God is through music. The only way to worship God is, is through this thing of singing. Like we have worship first, and then comes the sermon. We do worship, music, and, and then comes the message. That's one way to worship. But the Bible says this, go to the Lord for help. When you're being hammered, go to the Lord for help and worship him continually. How many of you can sing continually? <laughs> Some of you say, I can't even sing ever. 
You can't worship God musically, singing continually. So evidently, worship in God's eyes is something far more than just musical worship, musical praise. The truth is, every part of your life can be an act of worship. You can choose to worship God even as you do the most routine change things in life. Now, some of you are young moms, and you still got babies at home that are wearing diapers. And you say, so you're telling me, Pastor, that when I'm changing a diaper, that's worship? That can be worship? Absolutely. You can be cleaning that little bottom and saying, God, thank you for cleaning up all the messes in my life. (laughs) Right? God, thank you for keeping me clean. God, thank you for loving me when I've made messes. (laughs) When you're mowing the lawn, absolutely, God, I'm just thanking you that I've got a lawn. A lot of people on this planet don't have a lawn. You can use anything you do in life to worship God and thank Him. And you were created to worship God. And the more that you choose to worship Him, the less you'll be worrisome. When you worship, God washes away your worry. Now, some ways that you can worship God is revealed in what I think is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. It's a story about a story about three nations ganging up on the country of Israel, the nation of Israel. And the king at that time was a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. And from this story, I'm going to call him King Joe because his name's way too long. Amen. <laughs> so, the story of King Joe and the battle he was facing is going to show you some ways that you can both worship God and eliminate worry and therefore honor God. So as we begin, the question is this. What battle are you facing this morning? What battle is at your door? What is causing you to be worried today? Get a specific battle in your mind that you're facing. Maybe it's a health battle. Maybe it's a, it's a relationship battle. Maybe it's a financial battle. I mean, tax season's coming up. Maybe it's a, a tax battle. Whatever it is, what battle are you facing that's causing you to so worry that it's keeping you from honoring God by really worshiping Him? You're consumed by your worry, so you're not worshiping God. You're not honoring Him. Now, if you do what King Joe did, your worry will be eliminated. And you can honor God in the midst of your battle. First of all, how do you do that? First of all, to honor God, write this down. Turn to Him. Turn to Him for help. Go to God for help. Before you do anything else, turn to God. And when we got a battle in front of us, we're thinking about what can I do? What can my skills do? What can my education do? What can my friends and family do? We think about everything we can do before we ever turn to God. But King Joe... The first thing he did was turn to God. Look at what he was facing. The Bible says the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Munites joined forces. Three nations joined forces to do what? To make war on King Jehoshaphat. And he received this intelligence report. A huge force is on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to do what? To fight you, king. There's no time to waste. So these three nations line up against King Joe and they're saying, let's crush King Joe and his nation. And the Bible goes on to say, and Jehoshaphat was afraid. So he decided to ask the Lord, 
what to do. So his first reaction was like your reaction, probably like my reaction, when the odds are stacked against us, when the odds are three to one, his fear was reasonable. But listen close. You can choose to either let your problem intimidate you or motivate you. You can let your battle that you're facing cause you to shrink back in fear or to cause you to stand with God in faith. King Joe chose to let his battle motivate him. He chose to turn to God and ask in faith for God's help. And so he began to pray for help. But not only did King Joe ask for help, he got other people involved in praying. Take a look at this. The Bible says the entire country of Judah united to do what? United in seeking God's help. Instead of saying, We're, we got swords, man. We got, we got you know, protection. We got strength. No. The entire country got together and united in seeking God's help. And they came from the cities, all the cities, to pray to God. Sometimes we try to do everything else when we're facing a battle before we ever pray. You know what? But you can do the same thing as King Joe did. You can ask people to pray. You can turn to God and you can ask others to help you pray. But you, like King Joe, can ask other people all around the world to pray. That's why we've got this little uh, back place on, the, on our response card where you can write prayer requests because you can ask your staff, you can ask your elders, whatever you're facing, you can ask us to pray. But we also live in a world of email and, and Facebook and Twitter. And in seconds, you can have thousands of people around the world united with you and seeking God and asking God to help you face this battle. Amen? Amen. We can do that. So the first way to worship God is to simply turn to God. And say, God, I need your help. And whenever you ask God for his help, folks, I want you to know, that's a form of worship. It's saying to God, I'm turning to you. I'm looking to you for help. And that honors him. So first, to honor God, turn to him for help. But second, write this down. Then trust him to handle it. (laughs) Trust, we always get our heads engaged, don't we? You say, what can I do? But trust God to handle it. And God gave us a brain to use and skills to, to use. And he'll engage you where he wants you engaged. But trust him to handle it, to handle your battle. The Bible says this, Jehoshaphat went and stood before them, all these people that had gathered, and he prayed aloud. And then in the next six verses here in Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles 20, King Joe shows you how you should pray when you're facing a battle. First one is this. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of God's high position. How God Almighty is high and lifted up. Remind yourself of his almighty power. So King Joe prayed this. Are you not the God who is in heaven? That's your position You rule over all of the kingdoms of all nations. Power, might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. So here's King Joe facing the battle of his lifetime. And it's in that moment that he takes his eyes off of his battle and he fixes his eyes on the power of Almighty God. And he reminds himself of who? His God is. 
Second way you can pray, write this down. Then remind yourself of what your God has done. What he has done in the past, how God has helped you, how he's helped others in the past. So King Joe prays this. Didn't you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? And so he goes back and he begins to think and remind himself about Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into this promised land. He thinks about the enemies who didn't want Moses and his people there, didn't want them to enter the land. He thinks about the battles they had in the promised land and how God delivered them. So King Joe begins to pray, God, didn't you do this before? Didn't you show up and help other people with their battles? God, didn't you drive out the enemy before? God, I need you to do that once again. And so he, he, he not only turned to the Lord, but then he trusted God to handle his battle. Folks, to honor God, trust him to handle your battle. Third, if you want to honor him, then tell him what you lack. Tell him what you need. In verse 6, people say, God, you're all powerful. But then in verse 12, they confess, we, though, are powerless. Take a look at this. They confess to God, we are powerless against this mighty three-nation army that's about to attack us. God, we don't know what to do. So they just got honest with God. They prayed to God and said, God, we lack the power to win our battle. Now, this is a great thing about getting honest with God and telling him the truth about yourself. Because when you tell him the truth about yourself, you're just telling him stuff he already knows. Amen? You're not surprising God. Oh, you're powerless? <laughs> you're not surprising God. It's not news to him. In fact, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The apostle Paul says, I can do all things. But through who? Through Christ Jesus, who gives me the strength. And so, yes, you can do all things through Christ, but apart from Christ, you can do nothing. He is the one that's all-powerful. You are powerless without him. And when you understand this fact and simply tell God, God, I've got a lack. I've got, I've got a need. God then hears your prayer and helps you with your battle. Take a look at what this. King Joe and his people prayed. We don't know what to do. But God, we're looking to you for help. All the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Now notice that all the men set the example of turning to God for help, of trusting God to handle it. They turned to him, and then they told God, as men, they humbled themselves, strong men, manly men, humbled themselves and said, God, I've got a lack. They got honest and confessed their real need as men. God, we don't have the power to win this. The men stood before the Lord. The men even stood their babies and their wives and their older children before God as families. The men took their families out. They led their families to stand before God and pray, God, we need your help. We have a lack. They said, we're trusting you to save us, God. 
The men, the ones who are supposed to be the protectors of their families, stood and told the Lord that they needed his help. Here's the point. When you tell the Lord about your lack and your need of his help and that you depend on him to save you from the battle you are facing, God's response is simply this. Good. I will help you. That's it. (laughs) Good. Finally, you're coming to me. And that's worship that honors me. You're coming to me. Good. I will help you. And look at what the scripture says. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Remember, they're looking at three nations coming at them. A big battle. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. God's battle. Now that verse is way cool. That's a verse you got to put on your, on your fridge. Amen? The battle is not yours. It's God's. Want to know why some of us are wiped out and stressed out most of the time? It's because we are trying to fight all these battles that God never intended you to fight. They are not your battles. They are God's battles. You want chains to be broken. You want lives to be healed. You want, you want God to rain down and touch you and your family. Sometimes you try to do it on your own strength. But God says, these are not your battles. These are my battles, saith the Lord. God is saying, I want you to turn to me. I want you to, to trust me to handle it. I want you to tell me what you need. And I'll fight for you. Most of you know that commercial, Larry Parker on TV. When he looks at you out of the TV scene and says, I'll fight for you. Man, I want God to fight for me. Amen. Amen. Parker may be good, but our God is far better. Amen. (laughs) He'll fight for you. And if you try to fight God's battles, though, you'll just get beat up. If you try to fight God's battles, you'll lose because we're not big enough to fight God-sized battles. Now, King Joe's battle, because he turned to God, was now God's battle. And all of a sudden, God showed up, and he was about to show these armies his mighty power. And then God says to King Joe, look at this, I love this, you won't need to fight in this battle Just stand strong in your places and you will see the Lord save you. In other words, it's not your battle, King Joe. It's now my battle. You do your part. You stand strong in the place that I have planted you. And I will do my part. I will save you. I will save you. You know, as I thought about that, I thought back in our history as a church. And for 13 years... I faced the battle of providing a permanent place for this church to stand in this community. 13 years, we were spending all kinds of lease money, flushing lease money, and and, and I just said, God, this can't be your perfect will. We need a permanent place to stand in this community. And we had grown to be a strong church family, but we still had no permanent place to stand here. But in those 13 years, I want to tell you, I never got discouraged about finding a permanent place for this church. And that is the honest truth. Why? Because I knew that this was God's church. I knew that God is the builder of his church. And I knew that God and this battle belonged to God. 
And so I never got discouraged. I, never, I, I, I wanted to say, God, how are you going to do it? I prayed about it a lot, but I never got discouraged. So one day I told him about our need. And I said, God, I'm going to trust you to find us a place. And that place that he had in mind sat here for years. Sat here, the last undeveloped place to build on in your Belinda. It sat here for years. The place God had in mind was nothing but a huge hole in the ground. And you can't see the big hole here, but there was a big hole in the ground. The place he had in mind wasn't even for sale. And when we inquired about buying this place, the place that God had in mind, we didn't even have near enough money. We were way short. Listen, when you are on God's side, you are on the winning side. Amen? Amen. But when you're on God's side, what you do is you just stand strong as a community of faith, and God will fight for you. And I want to say to you, next month we're going to celebrate our ninth anniversary of God's victory of getting us into this place. Amen? Amen. He fought the battle and he won. So folks, whenever you're facing any kind of battle, what do you do? You don't run. You stand. You don't even fight. You just stand and watch God fight. So listen, it's never God's will to have you run from your battle because God wants you to learn a couple of things. He wants you to learn to turn to him for help. He wants you to trust him to handle it. He wants you to tell him what you lack and what you need. And yes, you'll be tempted to run from difficult battles, but that's never God's will. You will be tempted to run away and use drugs or use alcohol or even move physically to another place. But his will for you, when you face a big battle, is for you to just stand strong in the place that he's planted you And let God fight for you. Amen? Let him fight for you. And I like to say it this way. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you've got. Until you just turn to him and let him have everything, you'll never know that he's all you need. But when you place all your faith in him and you watch God fight that battle for you, you watch God strengthen you and help you stand, and you watch him win that battle, then you have had the presence of God fall on your life, and you're never the same. That happens to me all of the time. And I know some of you are facing huge, huge battles, bigger than you can ever win on your own. But would you just stand and worship God in these ways? And let God fight your battle. Amen. Amen. So what do you stand on? If you're supposed to stand, what do you stand on? The Bible says this, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Everybody wants two things in life. We want stability and we want success. You get stability and success by believing in who God is And by believing in his prophets or what he said through his prophets. And what he said through his prophets is right here. Amen. Amen. So you get success and you get stability when you stand on God's word. And when you place all of your faith and trust in God himself. So stand strong when you face that battle on almighty God and on his word. To honor God, tell him what you lack. 
Next, then thank him in advance for his help. You know, before the battle is won, thank God ahead of time for his victory. That's what King Joe and the Israelites did. And this is kind of a weird way to go do battle, but this is what they did. Look at this. The Bible says, then the king chose men to be singers to the Lord, to praise him because he is holy and wonderful. So as they marched in front of the army, they said, thank the Lord because his love continues forever. Now, this is a really weird way to march into battle, to put all the singing men in front of the army. Get this. King Joe is outnumbered three nations to one. And what's he do? He puts a men's worship band on the front line. <laughs> Not swords, but the men's worship band. And so King Joe says, okay, here's our battle strategy. You guys that are good at music, you guys that are good at singing, I want you to get out front and I want you to start singing, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Your love is wonderful. And so he said, that's what I want you to do. And so you just keep doing that, guys. And so the army behind the men's worship band is going, what? You don't put singers in front of swords. The army's going, what's going on? The enemy over on the other hill about to attack, they're going, what's going on? And I guarantee you that the men's worship band is going, yeah, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on is that God wants you to learn to thank him in advance. If you wait to thank him when the battle's over, that's nothing but gratefulness. That's just nothing but gratitude. But if you learn to thank him in advance before the battle is won, that is faith. That's faith. And so look at the effect of their thanking God in advance. At the moment, and, and don't rush by that word moment. At the moment, they began to sing and to praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to begin fighting among themselves. And they destroyed each other. Man, that's how I want to do battle. Amen? Amen. Man, put Johnny Randy out front. Let him go. They, they didn't even lift a weapon. And God made the enemy start fighting each other. And so here's my question, guys and, 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 and gals. What do you think would happen on your battlefield if you started coming to church and passionately lifting your voice in song and in words of prayer and praise and you started thanking God in advance for fighting and winning your battle? What do you think would happen on your battlefield if you started every day passionately lifting your voice in song and prayers of praise and thanking God in advance for fighting your battle? The scripture tells you what would happen. That God will fight for you. And your battle will be won. To honor God, thank him in advance for his help. And then last, write this down, and I love this. And then take the blessing that God provides. When the three nations started fighting each other, they ended up annihilating each other, all dead. All the armies, dead. So here we have the battlefield littered with the bodies of three nations' armies. It had to look horrific. 
ground covered with dead bodies. The Bible says this, when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point where they could look down into this valley and see all of these dead bodies in the wilderness, there were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. And there was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day, everyone gathered then in that valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. Right there in the valley where it used to be the valley of battle. They now named it the valley of blessing because their God met them there. Now, notice the results of choosing to honor God with worship. When you honor God, he fights your battles. And he even brings a blessing out of the bad battle you were facing. When you honor God, your battlefield becomes a valley of blessing. The place where God met you and fought for you and delivered you. The place where you experience the power of God working for you on your behalf. So God says, I want you to find a blessing even from your bad. Folks, I want you to take from your battleground, whatever it is, the blessings of God. Amen? So how do you turn your battlefield into a valley of blessing? Well, it's pretty simple. Whenever you face a battle, honor God. And the way you honor God is first you turn to God for help. And then you trust your God to handle your battle. And then you tell your God what you lack and what you need Him to do. And then you thank Him in advance for that victory. And then... The Bible says you can take the blessings that God provided even in the bad battle. Amen? Amen. Have you learned yet? Have you lived long enough yet to let God do this kind of work in your life? And all at once you look back and you say, yeah, that was bad. That was a bad battle. But God helped us win it, overcome it. And you know, we learned something through it. There was even some good that came out of that. When you honor God in these ways, you are truly worshiping Him. And that brings honor to Him. Now to all the men here this morning, I want to say this. God wants you to lead the way in honoring Him. God wants you as men to be out front. The Bible says this. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, All the men of Judah returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice. Now get this. The men led the way in honoring God as they faced their battle. They stood there with their families. They brought their whole family along, said, we're looking to God. We're going to pray. So the men led the way in looking and turning and trusting in God. But then they also led the way in worship as they went back home in victory, and they led the way in worship over their win. Men, one of the greatest things you can give other people is your heart that's devoted to honoring God. As they look at at your life, the one thing that they say, that man honors God. One of the greatest gifts you can give away to other people is a heart and a life that's devoted to honoring and worshiping God verbally and physically. And as people look on, they know that you're a man of God. President Ronald Reagan is going to be remembered in a lot of ways as a president. He's remembered, you know, first of all, as an actor. 
and then a governor, and then our president. But those things really aren't his greatest accomplishments. It's what he did for his son that really matters. His son told at his funeral of how his dad led him, personally led him to know Jesus Christ. His son, Michael, told how his dad, Ronald Reagan, lived a life devoted to Jesus Christ. And then his son said, I intend to pass that heritage of a dad taking the lead to lead his family to know Jesus Christ and to serve Jesus with great devotion. I intend to pass that heritage on to my kids because that's more important than anything else my dad did because that heritage will last forever. Amen? Men, a million years from today, our careers, our accomplishments, our, our hobbies are not going to matter. They're just not going to matter. But whether you are in heaven, whether your family's in heaven, whether your friends and neighbors in heaven, that's the only thing that's going to matter. So truly, the greatest gift you can give away is your heart devoted to honoring God. Your life devoted to worshiping God. And I don't know what battle you, you're facing, but... When you worship God in the midst of it, you're honoring Him. And then God will unleash His power to help you if you will just turn to Him, trust Him, tell Him what you lack, and thank Him for His help. Because that kind of life is what honors our God. Amen? That's what honors Him. Would you pray with me? As I pray this prayer, if God's been speaking to your heart, if you're facing a battle, would you just say, Father God, you know the battle I face. It's too big for me. I need you to fight for me. And in the meantime, I will stand strong. And I'll trust you. And I will thank you in advance for your help. And for the blessings to come. And then men, I encourage you to, to add this to your prayer. And Father, I will get out front and lead the way. I will be a spiritual leader. In my home. In my church. And in my community. Father, we pray these things. With serious hearts and we pray God that you would each time we face a battle help us to first like King Joe turn to you we pray in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen, amen.